0: Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, and so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized
3: there had to be another way. A new holiday was born. A
0: Festivus for the rest. I haven't celebrated Festivus in years. A Festivus for the rest. At the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. (laughs)
2: Happy Festivus, everybody. Happy Sports Talk Saturday. Happy Sabres game day. Happy Bills game day. Happy, happy. And I'm TJ Luckman. Next to me here is Frank Curie. We've been taking you through the last hour or so. We're here with you for another, it's not even going to be an hour, another 50 minutes. We've got Evan Pasquale producing for us. Um, lots happened in the last hour. We talked a lot of Sabres. Uh, We'll probably keep on the Sabres and then shift over to Bills at 12.30 when we will have ESPN's Elena Getzenberg on with us. Can't wait for that. Um, But, yeah, the Sabres have been playing all week. They've been on a roller coaster all week, all year, really. Talked about that with Anthony from Expected Buffalo last hour. Uh, Great conversation with him. You can find that on demand at wgr550.com hopefully soon if not already. I wanted to stick with savers here cuz I thought we were getting into it good about uh we got some good calls about it. Our last caller wanted to talk about uh you know Victor Olafson. We'll talk about it a little bit here and then we'll go shift over to bills cuz I do see um we have people who want to talk about the Bills, rightfully so, because they play today, too, and they'll be playing right here on WGR 550. We'll have Bills game day at 3 o'clock, uh, leading you all the way up to the game tonight at 8 o'clock. You heard Evan say it's on Peacock on uh, online, but if you're in the Buffalo area, it'll be on local channel, two, And, of course, you can hear it right here on WGR, which I already said. You'll have Chris Brown. <clears throat> excuse me, Eric Wood and Sal Capaccio on the call there. Um, we were talking about Victor Olofsson on the power play and, in general, Victor Olofsson. And it's something that I've 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 come to appreciate kind of what he's been able to do this year, hmm. especially since I feel like he's gotten a lot of slack. But I feel like, especially in the last maybe 10 to 15 games, he's been... Shooting more, he's been getting into open space more at 5v5 than usual. So, I I feel like we're talking about wanting to trade Victor Olofsson or whatever. We've been talking about it. Anthony said it's been talked about for 18 months, at least within the organization. I feel like I I feel like. A lot's been said about uh granado and coaching and whatever and i'm not gonna I'm not really ready to to fire any coach or or get anything going on that uh we had a previous caller who said they wanted to make a trade, and that's kind of where my mind is at of what, what wanting what the say yeah what I want the sabers to do I think that's the drastic thing they need to do it doesn't even need to be drastic uh but you have players on this team who aren't part of your future I do think you need to start thinking about. Building towards that and then also using your future pieces toward pieces that can help you now. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's all on the table. The Sabres have set themselves up to where we can talk about how much they have, how deep they are, and when they're going to actually pull the trigger on when to make this
4: roster better. I'm there too with with them wanting to, with wanting a trade. Um, The problem is who? and sure. the other thing is do what other teams want to make trades right now as well. I I'm sure every team wants to make wants to make a trade, but oh, yeah. it, it's it's more about the player and the team that they're on and their cap situation. 100%. That's that's the biggest thing. That's why I don't think we've seen a big trade by the Sabers yet. By the Sabers hopefully yet is yeah. the the flat cap that we've had the last, you know, few years because of, you know, covid. Yeah. And then
2: I think I think I d- you're right. I think you right. I want to I, I don't want to co-opt here, but I mm-hmm. I think you're right in terms of that. I feel like we don't talk enough about how like yeah, we want the Sabres to make a trade, but you need one of the other 31 other teams to also be in a mindset to make a trade. And, and the, I just don't think anybody's in this league anymore unless you're making a trade like an Eric Robinson trade where you yeah. get him for free unless he plays a certain amount of games. You're really not. Once you're in the season, you're not looking at anything until the trade deadline.
4: That's, yeah, that's just how it is. You um, you don't really, you don't see that many big trades happen before before like, and like the earliest they start nowadays is like a month before the deadline. Yeah. Besides the Eichel trade, um, the only other one of the only other trades I can really think I can think of a couple trades, um, and that was. Matt Duchesne when he was traded from Colorado to Ottawa. That was six years ago. Um I know. And then that cause that happened in like November 2017. Yeah. Um, and then I think New Jersey traded Taylor Hall to Arizona in like December, yeah. I wanna say. Yeah, I don't remember what year it was. It might have been 2018. Might have been 2019 around there. It was definitely around. definitely yeah. around that time. But besides that, and then the Ico trade, you don't really see that many of these kind. Then they, these are the kind of trades that, that fans want to see. It's these big we trade a first round pick a. A prospect, maybe a player off our roster for a guy who's really good, who's going to come in and make an impact right away. Yep. You don't see those kind of trades until either the trade deadline or the off season, especially the off season nowadays. Because statistically, I mean, one thing that does not get talked about amongst Sabres fans is statistically, when you acquire, when you're acquiring a player at the trade, especially at the trade deadline. They're less likely to make a real impact on your team immediately, the same way that they were making an impact on on the team they were just on. Right. Look at Timo, look at Timo Meyer when he was traded to New Jersey. He was not that good when he when he started there, and that was you know right after the deadline, leading up to the playoffs. He's been fine this year. He's had you know he has moments where he's really good and moments where he's kind of struggling, but yeah. it takes it usually does take time. So. Making those big trades, I think, is better suited for the offseason. 100%. Problem is, is well, we're not in the offseason right now. If we wanted to see that big trade happen now, it was supposed to happen last June and July. Yeah. You can have a lot of hindsight with
2: this. I definitely yeah. – we've, talk, we've talked about it, how it's probably wasn't a good idea to sort of run the same group back for the year. Um, and there's definitely grievances I can air – uh, about not making moves in the summer for maybe even to shake up your forward group, I, which like I know it's tough it's to, to even do that. They didn't even just shake it up, but they sort of just brought everybody back yeah. and expected the same result under a different system,
4: might I add. But it's not even the forward <laughs> group that like I want to see them make a move at. It's defense and goaltending I wanted to see. Yeah, and there were guys of especially. goaltending especially, but there were guys of it that were available. Last off season that they could have tried better to make to acquire, and obviously the free agent goalie goalie crop last year was really bad. I did not like it at all. The best guy was Jonas Corposalo, who got the big, who got a big, decently big contract from Ottawa, and I'm like, I'm glad we didn't do that. Yeah. Um, goalie m-
2: more the- goalie more. I don't want to say I'm comfortable waiting for a goalie, but. They obviously are waiting for somebody to sort of step up from the guys that they draft. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there was an opportunity... I don't want to say an opportunity to bring in a stopgap, saying that there was something available and out there and that they were ready to pull the trigger. But
4: yeah, goalies are also just him. weird. The goalies are also just weird in terms of their yeah. availability. I mean everyone was like Connor Hellbuck's available and then he wasn't and now he's re signed in Winnipeg. People are like yeah, go, that was after an Uc- saga. go after go <laughs> after UC Saros then because he's going to be a UFA next uh, after next year, and there's no way Nashville's going to keep him. They're going to want to trade him. Are yeah. you sure about that? Do you really think Nashville's going to trade UC a top five goalie in the league? I know they got you I know they got they got a Scaroff in the AHL, but Nashville's only trading Sorrows if if they know a Scaroff's going to be a, a top five goalie as well, and there's just no guarantee at that right yeah. now. So I don't really see Nashville trading Sorrows. I don't. Right now, yeah, right now for goalies, I don't really know who is available besides yeah. potentially like AHL guys, and you're not doing that because you've got three goalies already. Yeah. So I'm looking at defensemen more, and well, Brett Pesci seemed like he was available last summer. I don't know if he actually was, but I would have liked to have seen at least. I would like to see Adam Kevin Adams make a more aggressive approach at getting a guy who's going to come in and help you right away. Yeah. And I want to see him be more willing to trade a forward prospect that they have. They have we we know their their forward prospects are abundance. They got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. The biggest the biggest trade piece I see is Noah Osland right now who's over in Sweden, he's doing he's doing fine he's playing on the sweden uh swedish world junior team that's coming up right after christmas so that's going to be a lot of fun being able to watch him watch him play and i want to see i want to see his willingness to move one of those kind of guys i understand maybe not wanting to trade their first round pick last year but this year this year it should have been on the table at least last summer 100
2: percent uh, let's go to the phones here. We've got Jerry in Kenmore. Jerry, what do you want to say?
0: You know, last year I was um, very disappointed in Adams not making a move this time of the year at the trade deadline to get a veteran goalie because when you finish one point out of the playoffs, um, it, it was on the it, it was it could have been made up with goaltending last year that one point, and and I'm going to tell you why I'm disappointed. Excuse me. Um, hmm. Our goal last year was to make the playoffs, and we didn't make it. Would have been, our goal would have been this year to would have been to advance in the playoffs. Now our goal is back to let's get in the playoffs. This a young group. The amount they would have learned in one playoff series would have been huge for this organization. Like, what's it like to play with the work ethic that happens in the playoffs? The, the game changes in the playoffs. Everybody tries. Wait, it's an effort sport. It is much harder to play in the playoffs. I think this team, what they would have learned last year in a playoff series, would have been huge. And we're already trailing this this scale up by not making the playoffs last year. And if we don't make them this year, it is a huge disappointment, and it's an Adams failure.
4: One hundred percent. That part, I, that part, I definitely agree I, with. Um, yeah. The one thing I will, I will dispute, I, I dispute on that, on, like, on that Jerry is, last year the goal was not to make the playoffs. The goal was to improve off of what they, of their. Of, of the finish that they had in the twenty one twenty two season, they ended the season really well. And the goal last year was to build off of that, and they did. They were sixteen points better from twenty two to twenty to twenty three. They were seventy five point team in twenty one twenty two. They ended the season last year ninety one points. Huge improvement. That was the step they wanted to take. This year, it's about getting in and learning what it takes to win in the playoffs, and that's where I, and I and I do agree where Adams dropped the ball in not acquiring more top end talent and not just you know guys who fill the who fill you know small gaps in your roster here and here and there. That's where that that's I think where I where I differ. One thing I want to give to Jerry here
2: is if they make the playoffs last year, I feel like we're having a completely different conversation. Because we're not talking about twelve years of them not making it. We're not it's yep. not looming in the background yep. here. Definitely um, true. Definitely definitely a different conversation but I still think I think to Jerry's point, if they get in the playoffs last year and, you know, maybe they take a game or two against Boston, maybe Boston blows their door, door off and that's what Boston needs to really get their thing on track. They lose in the first round to Florida, of course, but I think looking at that and seeing what kind of series they would have played against Boston where you're going to experience that tightness that playoff hockey brings...
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think that would have been a valuable thing to learn in order for Don to say, we're going to learn this new defensive system do you know what i mean by mm-hmm. this like there, they would have had that experience th-
4: to understand why they need that's to switch to been it, one of my biggest grievances with this with this team is they're trying to play playoff style hockey yep. without experiencing what the playoffs actually are yeah Groot, there are players it's not, on, it's not even that for it's, me. it's it's, it's just, yeah. there's players on this team who've played in the playoffs on different teams yeah it's completely different than having them all on one team that hasn't made the playoffs in over a decade and and experiencing that themselves. Yeah. Most This core, most of this core has never played in the playoffs. Yeah. Besides Alex Tuck, really. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Alex Tuck is the only one, a part of this actual core that's expected to be here long-term, who's played in the playoffs. Yeah. That's it. No one else has. So how can you say we need to play playoff style hockey without knowing what playoff style hockey actually is because you haven't experienced it yourself.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the point the caller was trying to make there, Jerry, It was that, you know, he, you know, if they have that experience, maybe there's an extra piece of the puzzle that they have for this year. Yeah. Anyway, they, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh we're we gotta we gotta shift off of Sabers here. It is twelve twenty five, we're gonna hit a break on our way when we come back, we're gonna have ESPN's Elena Getzenberg on and we're going to shift over to the Bills and start previewing kind of that during throughout our the rest of our show and then throughout the rest of the afternoon. Uh, Sabers tonight will be on WBEN 930, our sister station, so you can tune in there at 630. You will have uh, Brian Koziel with the pregame at 630 there. Uh, Paul Hamilton will be along with our coverage. I'll be producing the game. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Of course, like I said, next we'll be with Elena. We'll be previewing bills, which will be on our station tonight. That's WGR 550.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich.
1: You know,
3: they run a, a similar offense to the team that we played last week. So, you know, I think, you know, we're taking some of the concepts and stuff that we saw last week and expecting, you know, to see some of those show up in this game. So I would say similar styles. They might have, you know, a few different wrinkles here and there, but definitely similar similar styles.
2: That's Bills linebacker Terrell Bernard there. Some key plays in the Bills defense lately for him. Bills Chargers later tonight on our flagship right here, WGR 550, Chris Brown, Eric Wood, Sal Capaccio, they'll be on the call. They'll be taking you through that one tonight at 8 p.m. We'll have Bills game day at 3 o'clock here. Right now, we're joined by Elena Getzenberg here on the West Her Hotline, Elena of ESPN. She does, She covers the Bills beat. Elena, how are you?
1: Hello. I'm good. It's like 65 in L.A. and it feels like summer. That's awesome. Is, yeah, Lucky. so we'll take that. So doing well, a little time confused, but besides that, we're doing okay.
2: Yeah, I apologize for uh, making you wake up at the bright and early hour of 9.30 over there on the West Coast, but we appreciate <laughs> you uh, waking up early and helping us out here.
1: Of course. Happy to talk to you always. So Awesome.
2: Awesome. Uh, so, Elena... I read your article uh, the other day here uh, on ESPN.com. Is it safe to believe in the Buffalo Bills again? Um, In that article, you had four key takeaways and problems that the Bills have been having this season and how they've sort of come together and fixed some of those problems. Uh, One of the first things, we'll just go through it here. Um, You mentioned turnovers. Turnovers. Uh, the Bills have been a lot better at that uh, defensively and offensively as of late. Last game, Josh Allen didn't have an interception for the first time in nine games. Uh, what are the Bills doing to you know, shore up that area of the game better for themselves?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing where I feel like, the Josh interception thing is always going to be like a whole talking point. Cause it's like, some of them are okay because you want him making those throws and some of them are, I think we everyone who's watched the bills this season can acknowledge that some of Josh's interceptions were just bad decisions or a wide receiver doing something wrong. You know, that there was something went wrong to make that play happen. And I think really what we're seeing from this offense um under Joe Brady specifically, is, you know, they seem more on the same page, which is, like, a wild thing to say that it had to take until a new offensive coordinator came in and all this way into the season. But, like, it was crazy the number of guys this week that were like, yeah, we had to take time to find our identity on offense and that kind of thing. So I think that's what's happening is they're kind of gelling now um, and kind of getting to be cohesive, which it just took too long. Like, if we're being frank, like, it shouldn't have taken until late November, December Mm -hmm. to – kind of find that identity and get on the same page. And really we're seeing Josh be more confident and all of those sorts of things. Um, but also what's been huge in the turnovers is that the defense has been, their turnover numbers are way back up. Um, they're really taking the ball away a heck of a lot more. A uh, hat tip to Rasul Douglas for accounting for, you know, a solid number of those just from the Jets game. So it's kind of been a combination of things where both sides are being, you know, taking advantage of mistakes from other teams more but also I think it's just this offense being more consistent than it has been.
4: To kind of continue on what you what you wrote about, um you also mentioned the offensive energy and what what this and what this team has kind of kind of done to get back to what they've what they were over the last few years uh, offensively. Uh what, what have you seen uh whether it's concept wise, whether it's Anything from just Josh himself? That's what have you seen the Bills' offense do that that has kind of gotten ba- gotten them back to that element that they've had uh, from the from the last few years uh, after the first half of the season?
1: Yeah, isn't it wild that it's like, what are the Bills doing well? The vibes are better. Like, <laughs> like they're, everyone's For like sure. having a good oh, yeah. time. Like that's like <laughs> why it took so long again. Like I think these are very fair questions to ask. Like why we're at you know this late in the season? It's like, hey, now the vibes are like cool like josh is chilling like just that like that's a very simplified way to kind of phrase it but like it's real um i mean i think it's a variety of things i think you can watch josh allen who's running the football a lot more um and like i don't know there was a run against the cowboys where he like dragged a couple guys with him and he's like pumped up after and like that's josh right like that's who we're used to seeing and i think there were a lot of times earlier in the season where he was for better or for worse trying to keep it like steady and he talked to us about this low positive kind of mentality he was taking where he wouldn't want to get too high too low and I think he's kind of shifted that slightly at least in terms of what he's doing on the field during games Where like we're seeing him get a lot you know he has a lot more energy he's kind of celebrating he's doing all that stuff so I think it's one of those where it's like you can't point to just one thing um but it's also confidence you know helps energy I think and I think we're seeing this offense offense overall be like oh no like we can do this this is what we want to do we want to throw the ball to the running backs we want to get the run game involved we you know we can try to get Stefan Diggs involved and I guess it's not getting Gabe, Gabe Davis involved is kind of what this offense is so I think it stemmed from them figuring out what they want to do but also like Josh just getting in his groove and clearly firing Ken Dorsey kind of you know, some switch went off or something, you know, changed in how he viewed things.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think one thing, one big change that you're seeing, at least uh, personnel-wise, is you're seeing a lot more James Cook in the Mm -hmm. offense. He's just named Offensive Player of the Week last week for the AFC. Mm -hmm. Uh, What, uh, for James Cook here, I mean, he's gotten so much more involved. Uh, Why why is it that the Bill, I don't want to say that, uh, It feels like the Bills have had James Cook as a secret weapon, and now all of a sudden they're starting to use him. What's the secret to his success?
1: I mean, I do think it's something where, like, if you look at his numbers when Ken Dorsey was calling plays and when Joe Brady was calling plays, his touches went up from like 14 something. I mean, again, these numbers are really like loaded because of the Cowboys game. we like, James Cook. Mm-hmm. It's know, also a
2: small sample size. I get that. <laughs>
1: small sample size and all that. And like, he had a tremendous day versus the Cowboys. However, there is, like, a trend where, like, he's getting the ball way more with Joe Brady calling the plays than Ken Dorsey, and he's being used as a receiver way more. I mean, he had, like, he's doubled his touchdowns, you know, in the four games versus what he had earlier in the year, which, again, is a small sample size, and that Cowboys game was (laughs) a big one, but it is something to know, and I think Joe Brady's kind of game planning more for James Cook. I think also, you know, something Sean McDermott talks about a lot, which, like, I think it's valid for some players, maybe not so much for others is that second year guys, like, you know, going from that first year to that second year, like there's this development that takes place. And I think like, based on what everyone said about James Cook in practice, like he's doing more, like he's showing more in practice, like that Cowboys week leading up, like, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, other guys, like said, it was his best week of practice ever. And I think, you know, I think they must be seeing in those practices more from James Cook, which is eliciting that confidence. Um, I do think it's worth noting he does have a drop problem that, like, (laughs) you know, in a great, great Cowboys game. But he did drop a pass in that game. And then, of course, the Eagles won. And I think – it is still something to keep an eye on, but I expect you know he's going to get the ball a ton um, because I do think overall, despite those drops, like there's just so much confidence in him, and that's just based on what he's shown in practices and then in that game. I mean, how can you have to not give him the ball a lot after that Cowboys game?
4: one other aspect of the offense that I want to continue on is I mean you going over with going over what James Cook has been doing but also uh the the other running backs on on this roster have continued to do well too I mean they brought in Ty Johnson and he he's actually looked pretty looked pretty good helping out in the passing game as well um but I want to ask about what how Dalton Kincaid has been since Joe Brady has taken over I mean overall I think I, I do think Kincaid has had a great season a great rookie year I mean, I think he He's been, it's easy. He's been the second best rookie tight end in the NFL behind Sam Laporta of the of the Lions. Um, have you noticed anything different out of Kincaid from the from when Dorsey was the offensive coordinator to uh, to Joe Brady?
1: Yeah, this Cowboys game was obviously again we're gonna this Cowboys game we're almost not gonna be able to count for much because it was such an outlier. <laughs> but you know he was banged up in that game, so I think like kind of throw that one out. And obviously they ran the ball so much. Um, but yeah, I mean I. It's interesting where I think that's going to be, like, once the season wraps. One of the questions that, like, I think the Bills might look back on, um, you know, coming out of it is why they didn't involve Dalton Kincaid sooner. Like, James Cook, yeah, you know, like, he used him more or whatever. But, like, Dalton Kincaid should have been, in my opinion, a big part of this offense, like – from the jump and I think they could have had more success Um, obviously they had weeks two through four no problem you know having offensive success but there's games where it's like if you hadn't waited so long until that like Patriots game to really get him involved like would this offense have been better I think so I think there's like the rookie thing involved there where they didn't want to put too much on his plate but he's really good and like (laughs) we've seen that um I do think you know Again, from Joe Brady, kind of wanting to get him more involved, what I will today, what I'm really curious to see against the chargers is we only have a small sample size really of him and Dawson Knox being back on the field, and I'm curious to see like how much Joe Brady goes to that twelve personnel, kind of tries to get Dalton involved Dawson involved like I think we still have such a small sample size of them getting Dalton more involved with Dawson on the field. by the way, did they have to draft two? Dalton Dawson. It's just too much every time. Thank you.
2: Thank you. That's exactly what I'm I'm thinking as you're going back and forth between Dalton Dawson, Dalton Dawson.
1: It's too much. I'm going to talk. That's my next. Next time Brandon Bean talks, I'm going to ask him about it. Um. Definitely.
2: Definitely ask him. He did that on purpose. He wanted everybody confused.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, so that's why I think today's actually going to be a really interesting game for that. Um, But yes, getting more in the middle of the field, you know, he's blocking more, you know, from Dalton. So I just think in general, like, this will be a good game to get maybe a better sense of how will these two tight ends, how does Joe Brady really want to use them? Cause we only have like one true sample of that so far.
4: I think Brandon B just really likes the, likes DK. That's just, that's a set. <laughs> those, those are, those are his initials at that tight end. Only, totally only is sure.
2: at tight end. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there you
2: go. Elena, uh, one final thing I wanted to ask about um, the defense and closing out games. That was another thing that you mentioned in your article here. Uh something that we saw against Kansas City, they actually had a good series besides the the one play that was called back. I have to think that that's something we 'll want to look for moving forward um further to that what is what should the bills be looking out for today, defensively and offensively against the chargers?
1: This is a weird one where I feel like every time like the worst and this is kind of rude to say for Brandon Staley, but like the worst thing for the bills is that you know he got fired i feel like cuz sometimes when they're under that interim head coach like it kind of brings like new energy and all that sort of thing yeah. so i think that'll be kind of interesting just to see how the chargers come out after that horrifying <laughs> loss to the, Raiders. you know, like yeah, horrifying like it's the i least watched way to put it. it was a train wreck like how could you not watch right. <laughs> like
2: <laughs> right no that was um, that was something that was something it was
1: something <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i think you know it's kind of hard to tell with the chargers right now like where they are but like No, don't make, like, it's not too complicated. The Bills should absolutely, like, this should be an easy game. Like, with the way they're playing right now and the teams they're coming off wins against, like, they should win this game. They should. They should. (laughs) I say that, and, you know, it could be close. But, like, they should really win this game against you know, Easton stick and this offense that's clearly struggling and a defense that's allowed some really big passing games and a ton of first downs. Like, I just think this Bills offense should have a huge day. Um, And Mm -hmm. then defensively, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because they're still banged up on defense, obviously, still without Micah and AJ and those kind of guys. But I think what we're seeing from the Bills defense is the four-man pass rush, like, they don't need to blitz. And it's been effective. And I think they should be able to, against a young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience, like, I think they should be able to get after him today. And it shouldn't be a big problem that they're without some guys. Like, they should be able to give him a tough day because we saw them give Dak a tough day. And if they can do that (laughs) against that offense, like, I don't view this Chargers one as much of a problem. So, with all that said, They've been in a lot of close games, and <laughs> you just don't know. You but just never that, know. That's never, right.
4: You never know what a coach bump can give you, even that's right. even when you don't have your star quarterback or your top receiver, top two receivers, really, in this game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's why you play, right? That's why you, they they're going to go out there and play. So that's we'll right. see how it goes, but it should be. It, there's, it's all the setup for, like, this offense to be successful. And then, yeah, after after we watched the defense do what they did to the Cowboys last week, the, this offense should be a lot easier to defend.
2: Great. Uh, Elena, not sure what else you're doing in L.A. this weekend. I hope it has been fun. I hope you got to visit a tiki bar maybe, if not <laughs> yesterday, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> if nobody knows, o- o- Elena, um, when, when – I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Elena. But no, Elena, please. Elena, uh, she goes to tiki bars in mm-hmm. each city that she visits uh, for her, on her NFL journey for the year. Mm. Um, okay. So, did, okay. did we visit any tiki bars, Elena?
1: I have not yet been to a tiki bar, and okay. it's really a shame. Um, it is. <laughs> and you know, we might have to sort that out, though. But I have to say, if anyone needs tiki bar recommendations. Um, please reach out because there's some in London. <laughs> there's some. There's a great one in Chicago. Like, happy to discuss it anytime.
2: There's one everywhere from what I uh, can tell based <laughs> on what you say. Uh, Elena, I really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, tell everybody again where we can find your work and uh, where we can, yeah, see your stuff.
1: Yeah, so it's ESPN.com. There's like a little bills page. It's all. All under there, we'll have stuff tonight and after the game and all that stuff. And then on social media, I'm still, if we can all p- pick a platform and just one, that would be great for me. But on Twitter, at A. getsenberg and Threads, and it's too much for me, but I'm on them. So. I,
2: I got you. Twi- Twitter's fine for, I think, the more general audience here. Twitter uh, if, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if we can even still call it that legally, I don't even know.
1: Whatever. Yeah.
2: Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Elena. Uh, have a good uh, rest of your Day in LA and uh, good luck tonight.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks and happy holidays, everyone.
2: Thanks. Happy holidays to you you as well. Uh, That was Elena Getzenberg, ESPN. We still have one more segment here on WGR. Uh, Frank is here with us. We have Derek coming up next. Evan's our producer. This is WGR 550. (laughs) Welcome back here, Sports Talk Saturday, here on Christmas Eve weekend, Festivus is today, big day, big, big day, Sabres playing later on WBEN 930, Bill's playing tonight on our flagship WGR 550, I'm here with Frank Arcuri for the last couple hours, Evan Pasquale, our producer, Derek Kramer joins us now. Um, as we have a very special segment, of course, our weekly Booty Cheek of the Week.
3: Yes, and uh, of course, it's it's more fun to do this as a group, you know. Yeah, a party sort of thing. Four makes it even better if there's more Booty Cheeks of them weeks. And yeah. uh, just because it is Christmas Eve does not mean we are here empty-handed without the presence of the presence of Booty Cheek of the Week. So... I I don't have headphones right now. TJ has mine, full disclosure, so I don't know if the music's playing. It is. Okay, perfect. Good. So we can get started. All right, here we go. So, um, guys, we have ourselves a... uh, I'm going to be feeling very festive this weekend. I'm going to double up on my booty cheek of the week. We are going with the cheeks of the week for our Christmas Eve weekend here. And, of course, I'm going to start this off with uh, the entirety of the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers finally say finally saying on Pat McAfee's show, which by the way, can we just stop giving him that segment on Pat McAfee's show, please? Thank you very much. I want to go ahead and just run into a door. <laughs> uh anyway, he makes
2: money for I, that. By he
3: way. makes money. That's great. I don't. Saying. And I suffer for it. So, <laughs> it's Festivus, Aerial <laughs> Grievances, all at the same time, Booty Cheek of the Week, Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets. We're throwing Pat McAfee into this, too. Let's go. All right. Oh, I'm off. Uh, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, we're here. This is
2: the energy we've been missing.
3: Yes, this is the energy you guys have been missing. You did lo- great, by the way. You've had
2: low positive energy. <laughs> For, this, for the last two hours. Now you have This
3: is Josh there, Allen on this. Sugar Josh chaotic. Allen,
4: chaotic energy. This is Josh Let's Allen. Let's go. I'm supposed to be the chaotic one.
3: No, you're the one that's supposed to set me off. <laughs> right now, I'm Josh Allen with 14 pixie sticks. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. <laughs> anyway, the entirety of the New York Jets, because they've let one man dictate everything that they did this offseason, including having to start several games at quarterback with Tim Actual Boyle. I think Geary could have been a better player at quarterback than uh, than Tim Boyle with the New York Jets. Love you, Nate. I'll see you soon. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, he went ahead and said, Yeah, guys, bring in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and my best friend Tim Boyle because that's the only way he has a job in this league. Uh, and the Jets went, Okay! And yes, the injury is unfortunate and probably not the way that anyone planned on this going, but Joe Douglas, Robert Sala need to get fired or allowing one man to control the team. Heck, even Aaron Rodgers needs to get fired. Well, that's out like of a an, cannon, preferably. That's like into the sun, hopefully. It's like
2: practically impossible for him to get fired. I want to continue <laughs> on your booty cheek of the week because it's it's similar, but in the same vein. It, they they go even further.
3: They're activating him to the roster. Yeah. Why? Waste, wasting a roster spot. Why? Aaron Rodgers. That's why. Oh, and he's not the third quarterback. Like he's not the third quarterback for this weekend. This poor fullback who has to get cut
2: <laughs> for this guy for ego trick, right? They, so he can the say it is. so he can say, "Well, I was active on the roster at the end of the year. I could have come back." He didn't say that on Pat McAfee. I he didn't go as far not to say to, that, to, but you knew, I knew was, this team was you out of the playoffs. he was like you <laughs> knew he was like close to being like, "Well, I was active."
4: I did make it. Uh, yeah, it's, I did that's make all it. He's it definitely
2: is. gonna beat me. You know, yeah. it's always
3: about him, and he's
2: gonna it's make it about, about me.
4: And, it, and they we're could. the
3: problem because yep. we are talking about it. But yep. at the same time, lump of call for you, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, the pink slips for Joe Douglas and uh, and for Robert Sala, because once again, this stems from last week. Why the heck was he playing at practice squad defense? He made a heck of an interception. Allegedly,
2: I heard. heard. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly, everything everything with that man at this point. Everything is is allegedly. (laughs) 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 All right, Frank, what do you got?
4: Uh, (laughs) I'm gonna go with all of baseball.
2: Oh, what a big old booty cheek to bring up.
4: For people who don't know, obviously the LA Dodgers signed Shohei Ohtani to a monster 10-year, $700 million contract that has been deferred, where he Ohtani is getting $2 million a year during for the duration of that 10-year contract, and then he is getting the rest of that money after the contract. Okay, I guess we're they're allowed to do that. But then the Dodgers decided, hey. Now that Shohei allowed us to save so much money, let's go out and sign Yoshi Yamamoto for 12 years, $325 million. And everyone else around Major League Baseball was like, well, we can't do better than that. Oh, and they even train the-
3: Tyler Glass now, too
4: that that's whatever. That's a that's a trade. Like that's yeah, weird. but they that's acquired a... cap. I know. But it's still. They, it's but even... there is no salary cap yeah, in baseball though, it. that's a thing. Okay, they acquired more no, money. No, no, I know what you mean. I, I know. know what you mean. They spent more money. But they
0: spent
2: a billion dollars. And then on top of that, they still have to pay all the other MLB teams their luxury tax. Yep. Just because they can. Yep. The money in baseball is all there will be crazy. All crazy. There
3: will be a thirty for thirty and a federal investigation on the Los Angeles Dodgers in the next decade.
2: What are they, what are
3: they, what are they going to federally, what are they going to investigate here? They're not going to investigate MLB No, The MLB's basically no. said, no, that's it's fine. My, that's my fine. issue it, is gonna, full <laughs> approval from the MLB. Someone is going to be super salty that their team lost to the Dodgers, and we know how these people work at this point. I mean, we had Florida's governor trying to investigate the college football committee for Florida State being left out uh-huh. so <laughs> yeah, trust like, me there will be a federal investigation in 10 years about the Los Angeles Dodgers probably, probably will probably All right, maybe for gotta, different we reasons we gotta power through <laughs> here yeah, yeah uh, it's, getting, uh, not for my sake we're getting to the end not it's, for my sake but for Evan to you know Evan's Evan's giving job. me the,
2: the, the wave that that Howard Simon Evan's uh, yeah, giving me the debts there, the there, and I'm scared. So, yeah, yeah. So, let's get to and, break here. Uh,
3: second booty cheek, though. This oh, okay. one's for free uh, huh. for your uh, Christmas weekend. Happy holidays to everyone, by the way. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs for being the team to allow a team to give up nine goals and then score nine goals twice.
4: Yeah. And have a positive differential. The Sabres goal differential. allowed nine
3: goals to Columbus, then scored nine on the Leafs. Yeah. The Detroit Red Wings, I do believe this was in the 1980s, scoring or had nine goals scored against them and then scored nine goals against. The Leafs. Hope you enjoyed uh, your trip back down the QEL. Oh, I mean QEW. Toronto fans, the House (laughs) of Horrors. I will never forget when I met legendary Leafs broadcaster Joe Bowen, and he always calls it the House of Horrors. It remains the same way. So Leaf fans, stay out of our building, please.
2: Yep, absolutely.
3: Derek, that was Derek Kramer. He'll
2: be taking you through the next couple hours here. You get more of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was a heck of an introduction to what we're going to get from you over the next two hours. (gasps) Everybody, thanks for joining. Frank and I, Evan Di Pasquale, producing. This is Sports Talk Saturday, WGR five fifty. More next with Derek.
0: Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with autopay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without autopay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees. Twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.